You're listening to 101.9 FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the program on this slightly cold Monday morning. I hope that you had a great weekend and that uh, it was filled with lots of relaxation uh, and a good Shabbos and just a general good solid downtime uh, in uh, in the middle of the week. Uh, so yeah, and that's uh, that. You've uh, uh, sorry, we just have a bit of a technical issue here with some uh, some earphones. But uh, that you had a good uh, time and a good uh, weekend, and uh, that every you're ready for a, a great week. Of course, Purim coming up this week, which should be a lot of fun. Always is a lot of parties going on around town. We're going to uh, hopefully see what's been going on on that side, and. Uh, what better way to start a Monday than with ABBA, if you were listening there. Uh, ABBA is a great Swedish band uh, to start a Monday morning. So that is uh, the great way to start and a great way to begin what I hope will be an awesome show. Later on in the show, we're going to be talking about dairy farming, of all things, if you can believe it, uh, and looking at the first Israeli dairy farm in Papua New Guinea. I don't know if you can believe that such a thing uh, even exists, but it it does. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be chatting about that and seeing uh, why Israel has become a dairy powerhouse. Uh, Apparently, Israeli cows are the the milkiest is that the term that you could use the milkiest cows in in the world uh, they they produce more milk than anybody else and and this has been sort of expanding um out to different people uh but before then uh, some of you might remember that uh, about oh, i don't know a few months ago now probably 4 5 6 months ago we had a discussion with a guy called Josh Shevitz and uh, he, we brought him on to talk about Bitcoin uh, and blockchain and all of these uh, kinds of things. And it was a very fascinating show, and we got a lot of responses from it. People were very interested, so uh, that was 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 pretty cool. Uh, and and because of that, uh, Josh chatted to us as well. And he said, you know, actually, he's got a, another story that he'd like to share. So uh, we, we're, we're going to take a, a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking uh, the personal side of Josh Shevitz, um, not the Bitcoin that you that you would have uh, uh, remembered. Um, but but an interesting story because he he left South Africa and made Aliyah and uh, had quite a quite an interesting life. Uh, when he got to Israel, and obviously uh, there's a program where we talk about uh, South Africans, South Africans in Israel, Aliyah, that sort of thing. So uh, it is an interesting story. So so ch- stay tuned, and uh, when we come back just after this, we'll be talking to Josh Shevitz. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Can dress up like Donald Trump or North Korea or Justin Trudeau. I don't know if anyone saw Justin Trudeau's visit to India this week. He literally looked like he was dressing up for a Purim costume. So if you want to beat Justin Trudeau of Canada, I think do yourself a favor and make sure that you sign up for that competition. Head over to Pick and Pay Norwood Mall and win the competition. A thousand rand, five hundred bucks, seven hundred and fifty rand in, in Pick and Pay gift vouchers goes a long way, and you can have a lot of fun doing it. By the way, uh, if you want to be part of our conversation on the show today, we always encourage listeners to ask questions and engage with the show. Feel free, 34519, that's the SMS line. You can also WhatsApp us, 061-895-1019, email us on airchayfm.com, 
or tweet us at Echaifem, and we're always happy you know, to take your engagement on that. Now, as I said before the break, Josh Shevitz came onto our show uh, about oh, three, four, five, six months ago. It's hard to tell exactly. Spoke about Bitcoin. was a, a fantastic reaction. You know, people were really, really interested in the topic, were interested in Josh. Uh, and, and he said that uh, he wanted to come back on and, and do a bit more of a personal show. So we said, why not? Uh, let's see uh, what we can do. And uh, so we decided to do just that. And so we have on the line, all the way from Israel, Joshua Shevitz. Welcome to the New Blue Review. Hi. Good morning, Benji. Thank you so Good much to be back. Uh, for, for coming on. Uh, I trust the Bitcoin business is st- still going uh, well, uh, given some of the fluctuations in that market. Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, re- it's going well. Um, things are moving along. It's, uh, uh, it's a very fluid market, let's say. <laughs> yes, uh, not uh, for the faint-hearted, I'm sure. Uh, but as long as yes. things are are trundling along well, then that is what's important. Now, we we wanted yeah. to do a bit more of a personal uh, story and uh, yes. and 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 understand some of your background and, and the interesting story that you've had. Uh, so maybe start us off by telling us how you ended up in Israel because uh, you you are originally South African. Well, I. I were well obviously as you know me and you together were part of soldiers and uh, I met my I met my wife through soldiers and moved to Israel and got married to her basically. And how long short. did how long did that take? Um, it's quite a quite quite a long uh, a lot six of leaves. months. Six months. So you you met her yeah, what from what the time was... that I met her to the time that we got engaged, and, and then shortly after we got married. And then three months later we had a child. <laughs> and and she and she's Israeli. Is that right? Yes, very much so. <laughs> very, very, very so. much so. Uh, and, and, and what was she doing here out in South Africa? Uh, she, uh, she was part of a student delegation, um, doing a little bit of uh, talking to university students and trying to trying to spread a more positive image about Israel on university campuses. Well, she certainly seemed to sp- spread uh, a positive message to some university students uh, at the time, clearly. Um, <laughs> clearly, yeah. <laughs> um, more, more, more specifically, what uh, a lot of people have made Aliyah before, and a lot of people have got uh, different Aliyah stories. Um, what I think is more, is the most pertinent part is, uh, is uh, the kidney failure that my wife went through and that we went through as a family. Um, and that's uh, that's something that I would like to talk about, and also talk about to get other people either involved in those sorts of things, or to help people who are going through something similar. So I, 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 I'm going to come to that. I think it is, you know, obviously a crucial part of the story. But but it, it, it is interesting for me as well. You know, when okay. when we talk about Aliyah uh, in general and people make Aliyah and, uh, you know, do it, and it's like obviously a, a whole long process and people don't really talk about the process uh, to do it uh, unless you're actually going and talking to an Aliyah department. Uh, and also people also then struggle to stay there sometimes. Israel's a tough place. You don't know the language. Uh, and very different. And so, so I want to also, you know, uh, because uh, there obviously was this health issue, and we're going to talk about that, but it kind of compounded on top of what must already be uh, quite a process. From what you're telling us, you know, you had six months and you were in a different country, and then nine months and you had a a, a small child. So that is quite a, 
uh, quite a change in life circumstance. And uh, I think it would be important to give the context to people uh, before we, we understand further about the, the medical condition, which then uh, came on top yeah. of that. So can you, can you give us a bit of a sense about what that journey was like uh, in terms of moving to Israel and what the, what the process was like? The, the initial part of the, of the process was, was extremely exciting. Um, going, on a, going on an adventure, something entirely new, um, leaving to fulfill a dream, a dream that certainly I'd had since, uh, um, since I could remember. I'd, or Israel had always been a place I'd wanted to go and live. Um, there was a lot of romanticism about it in the beginning. Um, after a few months, that, uh, that romanticism fades and reality starts to set in. And that's when it gets a lot more difficult. I think the statistics are as bad as 75% of, uh, of Olim return home. 75% of Olim from first world countries returning home. Because it is difficult and there are lots of difficulties that, uh, that are not spoken about before, before you leave, such as the biggest one being, being family and friends. You can, you can make friends, you can, you can make your own family, uh, but you still, there's, there's still always something missing when when my when my family is back home, my parents, my uh, brothers and sisters. And and on top of that, uh, also of course the the language issue is is a huge one. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I can remember you telling me a story that uh, you went into the bank to open a savings account and ended up taking a loan uh, instead. <laughs> is that, is yes. that correct? Yeah. Well, I never went into the bank. I did it on the phone. <laughs> Landed up with uh, five thousand shekels, which I didn't really want or need at the time from the bank. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, so there were those things happen. <laughs> Sometimes you're lucky and you speak to somebody and they speak perfectly good English. Mm-hmm. Other times you get on the phone and, well, you struggle your way through, through Hebrew and hope you understand what happened. <laughs> Sometimes you land up with a loan. <laughs> Instead of a savings account. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's a great story. Uh, okay, Josh, uh, we, we are going to take a short break and then we, we, we come on, we, we're going to be talking more about uh, the story of Yalia. The best part of your day at the heart of your community. All the talk, all the music, all the news. Hi FM. 101.9 Chai FM, I'm Benji Shulman and this is the New Blue Review. We're talking about an Aliyah personal story today on the show and we're doing it with Josh Shevitz who made Aliyah a few years ago uh, under some uh, extraordinary circumstances and we're just getting the background into that before we took a break. Uh, Josh, you, you're still with us? Yes. Okay. Hi, Benji. So, so you, you survived the first couple of months. Uh, you, you, you paid back your loan that you had taken out by mistake. Um, and, uh, and, and, and you sort of got over the friends and, and family issue. Uh, were there any other challenges or, or other things that you think, uh, helped you get through the process? Well, what helped me get through the process is, uh, is, was my fiance at the time. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, a lot easier for me because of that than for a lot of other people. Um, having, Having uh, having support, having her family there to to help me, particularly her father and her mother at the time, as a was a lot of help. So that uh, family support did help. 
different type of family support, but still support. Sure, it makes a, a, a very, very big difference being able to ask someone for help or, or explanations or, or, or anything like that. Yes, yes, exactly. It was, it was also the setting where I was living. I happened uh, just after staying in Jerusalem. I moved to a place called Kermel Yosef, which is a idyllic setting in central Israel um, on top of a hill next to a forest. So very, very beautiful place to, to, to stay. So that also made it... Uh, a lot easier. Um, yeah, I suppose can be being very difficult in in this part of the world. Not not finding finding a job. Finding a job is very easy here. What's difficult is earning enough money in order to sustain yourself. Um, I, I struggle to understand how most people do survive, but somehow we do manage to get through as uh, as Israelis. Well, I mean, that is a, a big issue that I think is also number one on a lot of people's earlier list, right? If they, if number one is the family challenge and number two is the the language challenge and number three is the job challenge. But as you say, the the the, the amount of unemployment in Israel is not very high; it's two or three percent. Very I think. Uh, But very but low. you're saying that the the kind of jobs that you can get as an English speaker is it limited or is it just the amount that they pay? It's not limited, and it's not necessarily the amount that they pay. It's the fact that how much they do pay either just doesn't cover the month or only just covers the month. And that's almost across the board for most middle-class middle class Israelis. Um, the, let's say like an average salary is 7,000 to 10,000 shekels per, per month. That's, that's going to get – how's that going to – if you have a family, I don't know how you can survive on that. Well, I mean, can you give us an idea? So, so like, obviously, seven to 10,000 yeah. shekels. It sounds okay, a lot so in rands because we just times everything by, by a gazillion in this country, in this country with foreign policy. It's not. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, explain to us, like, what, what is the average cost for people uh, when they've when they made that You're renting an apartment in Tel Aviv, 5,000 shekels um, at least, if not 7,000 shekels. So then you share it with somebody else. So three and a half thousand shekels. A car, a thousand shekels. Petrol, five hundred shekels. Um, eating, easily a thousand shekels a month. And, uh, and then the ten thousand that you got minus the tax of thirty seven thousand, then there you go. You're already at seven or above. And sure. you haven't, you haven't gone out, uh, drawling or anything like that yet. Which is which is why Israelis have protests over the the price of cottage cheese and spend their time going to the beach because it's free. Uh, yes, exactly. But you know that all said, it's a very happy society. People seem to to enjoy themselves. We do see. I I certainly I certainly through all of those difficulties. Those difficulties I can I can manage. I can manage because I know the reasons that I'm that I'm here, and I know the reasons that. Uh, that I want to stay here. And so those sorts of difficulties, financial difficulties, um, emotional things, uh, just something that just needs to be handled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so, so when going through yeah. the difficult uh-huh. times, when, for me, I think about the building of the country and all of that, and my children will be happier here, and my children's children. Right. So that uh, consults me. So, so th- th- those are, I mean, I'd say the problems that you or the challenges that you're that you're talking about is p- 
probably standard for anyone who's made Aliyah, who's making Aliyah, uh, you know, the, 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 definitely when you talk to people, this is always the top three that they always have, right? The family, the language, uh, and getting a job that, that sustains them. Those are the top three and, uh, at least, uh, and you, uh, you, you seem to have sort of dealt with them or, 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 or sort of faced them head on and, and you were able to cope. But, but that didn't really prep you for, for the real challenge, uh, and, and w- what you really wanted to talk about. So, so, so let's, let's go on, on to that, uh, aspect. What, what happened to your wife after, after you got married? Maybe it's the other way around. This actually yeah. prepped me for the, for the Aliyah challenge. <laughs> so you, you felt like you could deal with anything after you, you handled this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so tell us that, <laughs> that part of it then. What, how did that uh, happen? Uh, well, shortly, shortly after we got, we got married, we, my wife did fall pregnant. Um, the pregnancy was, was difficult. Uh, everybody thought it was just sort of a difficult pregnancy. Uh, the birth was an extremely difficult birth and not to go into details, she, she landed up in the ICU and it was, it was a very, very, very difficult three weeks before she got out of hospital. Um, Mostly people, uh, the doctors thought it was a very, very severe postnatal depression. It turned out that it just got progressively worse after that time. Um, and she got diagnosed with IJA nephropathy, which is a, a disease of the kidney. In most cases, that uh, can take 10, 20 years in order to actually destroy the kidney. Um, all this is going on in the second year of my Aliyah. I have a brand new baby, a new family. I'm alone. It was, it was the, the, the kind of situation where, uh, your back's up against the wall. You got no choice. You just push forward and take every day as it comes. Unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't get much better after about six months. Uh, she, her kidney failed completely and she was told that she needed uh, kidney transplant and to go on dialysis. So, so I, I just want to interrupt you there for for a second, Josh, because uh, you know I think that this sure. is also something which uh, is of interest to someone who who maybe doesn't know the country that well. Um, <clears throat> you know, they the uh, you, you, you're going into hospitals, you're talking to doctors, you're having to deal with the medical system, uh, which is. Uh, Different in every country. So, c- can you explain to, to to us what what that is like? What what is the Israeli medical system like? Is it slow? Is it fast? How do you find a doctor? Because I think that's also you know a part of of, of the process. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Well, okay. First, so the most basic fact: uh, it's a very socialist medical system. We pay um, medical tax on a monthly basis from our salary. And all of our medical, um, all of our medical needs are taken care of. Everything. The process that we went through would have, in Europe and South Africa and America, would have bank- bankrupted most families. It didn't touch us financially. Well, I mean, <laughs> it didn't cost us uh, specifically to have any operations, to see any doctors, uh, take any medicine, the medicine that my wife still takes, all of those things. So in terms of the finances, Everything was covered. Now, the next question would be, okay, so it's government health. It has to be bad. And the truth of the matter is that it's, it's on the same level as Medicare in, in South Africa. It's not perfect. It's a very bureaucratic system. Um, 
there was a time when my wife was in the hospital when she was in the, in the room next to her. There was a prisoner from Gaza in the bed next, not next to her, in the room next to her. <laughs> so, you know, it's a funny kind of situation like that. So then the language, having doctors or nurses ramble for five minutes at me, and I'm looking at them, and I'm Oh, what you saying to me? What are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm it's sure that must funny, be quite, it's quite serious. When that's your <laughs> wife's health that they're talking about. Yeah, I can imagine it must be quite a quite a stressful process. So when you do, I mean, it's not like ordering food at a restaurant where you can point at the menu. What do I do? I I shout and I pull somebody who can speak English and ask them to help me. Sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, it's just had to do what I do what I could do. Find another nurse who could speak English and translate for me. Um, luckily, the doctors that we went to spoke pretty good English, um, so that wasn't too much of a problem. Uh, so, so that was the that was the process. I think uh, interesting to hear how it works in Israel with the medical system. So you. You you then went on uh, and 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 carried on with with this process. You you've you've now got a wife with a, a kidney issue and, and and a young baby. How did that affect your work life? Uh, I, I lost. I got I got fired on the same day that my wife got put on dialysis. Now you can imagine the time just before my wife got put on dialysis was. There was a lot going on. We were rushing to hospital every once in a while. I wasn't exactly focused on work. Uh, my boss at the time, I won't mention the company, didn't really understand the situation and ended up firing me on the day that she got she went on to dialysis, which was uh, coincidental. Godly, I'm, I'm not sure what it was, um, but that's what happened. Uh, so that was a lot to deal with on that day. But as with everything else, just found a way to manage and get through, found another job. Uh, that job eventually led to me starting my own businesses in the Bitcoin world, so maybe it was good that he fired me. <laughs> oh, certainly, it must have been fairly stressful at the time. So, all right, so... Oh, you, 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 it was hell of a stressful at the time, and I wanted to... I, I, that my boss, I had very strong feelings towards him at that time, let's say. <laughs> so, so then moving on to, to the health aspect. So you, you, okay, so now you've got a kid, no job, and a sick wife. Uh, what, what was the next step in order to, to, to try and, and, and sort out the problem? At, well, firstly, just get her to dialysis when she needed to get to dialysis. And the second thing was uh, to test and see that, that I was a... A match for her. Turned out that blood was a match, tissue was a match, all was uh, all was perfect. So she spent seven months on dialysis, and then we, and then we had the procedure. Hang on a minute. How 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 unusual is that, uh, Josh? I mean, it's not like you were related to her before you got married, right? So is it unusual for someone to be a complete match for what in effect is a complete stranger? it's well, I guess it is unusual, but there is just a system to take care of that um cross matching so there's you know a lot of people needing kidneys at the same time, so this person matches that person, that person matches that person, and they they swap the kidneys around, basically doing four operations at once okay so so you so you do, so so did you donate then your kidney directly to your wife? There was no like swapping around yes. that no, it was directly to my directly to my wife. 
Okay, so so you so you you match on a register, uh, you get tested. Uh, is that a difficult process? Um, it's it's just complicated. There are a tremendous amount of tests that they do in order to to make sure that you that you're 100 percent healthy, and the removal of the kidney is not going to uh, negatively affect you. Um, they take a they do take a, a good deal of care in order to make sure that the that the donor is uh, is very healthy. That said, um, I did feel the entire time that uh, I was uh, I was an instrument for the doctors in order to make my wife better, which I was fine with, and I am fine with. Just the feeling I had at the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so they identified the kidney, and then you 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 went and uh, did the procedure. How did that work? Um, it was actually quite quick. We went in. Um, we went into the procedure together. Uh, I was out of the hospital in three days, and uh, she was out two weeks later. Uh, the kidney started working immediately, uh, so, so that was great. Uh, that was obviously the biggest concern, of, uh, having this whole procedure, losing my kidney, and then it, uh, it not working. Um, so it was working immediately, and that was a, a lot of excitement. And then for myself, it was it was it was painful for a while, but uh, but not as not as bad as one would think. And giving a kidney is, I suppose, it's not like giving a liver or a I don't know something else where you only have one. You you can actually safely give a kidney without too much of a problem. Yes, seven months after donating the kidney, I I, I ran the Jerusalem Marathon uh, without a problem. Wow. Okay. So. That is uh, quite remarkable, but you you do have to be careful. And I, I know you were a big rugby player in your in your youth uh, for your sins. Uh, I think you what you supported uh, the Stormers or something. Um, yes, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm very uh, disappointed uh, over the weekend. I suppose not everybody's perfect, but um, uh, <laughs> the point is you can't you, <laughs> you can't play uh, you can't play rugby with one kidney. No, you can't. It's not that you can't. It's it's that it's your suggested not to do not to do not to do things like that. Should you land up in a situation in which your other kidney is uh, injured, then you've got a serious problem. But there's no actual physical physical thing stopping me from rock climbing, running, doing anything that I want to want to do. There's no difference between my physical abilities now and before the before the donation. But do you it's take uh, do you take other yes yeah, I mean do you take precautions drinking or water I don't know perhaps you stopped smoking or something like that Yes exactly Okay uh, we're going to take a, a short break uh, and uh, then we'll come back we'll speaking again to to Josh Shevitz uh, about uh, his earlier Stay relevant and up to date. Keep you informed. This is 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the new Blue Review. Welcome back to the show. Nice to be with you on this Monday morning. And uh, if you want to be part of the show, please feel free. SMS us, 34519. Email us on air Tweet us at airhighfm. Or you can uh, WhatsApp us, 061 not sure if I feel like I said that one already. doesn't matter. Uh, we have been talking today about a, an Aliyah story, uh, someone who went over to Israel and faced some challenges um, in had some unusual experiences. And uh, his name is Josh uh, Shevitz, and he ended up in the Bitcoin industry in Israel after some uh, quite remarkable things happened to him. So, so Josh, uh, 
you 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 ended up with a kidney. Was was your wife okay after it started working? Did everything else kind of fall away? Uh, yes, pretty much. We've uh, had a second child uh, since then, um, and yeah, she's been <laughs> it's been very very healthy. So and 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 so there hasn't been any more uh, complications with the pregnancies or, or anything else like that. Uh, no, no, that's uh, that was. Once we got once we got over that, it's been a, it's been a hell of a lot better and a hell of a lot easier. So, so basically, what you're you, you're like a, a kind of a Disney tale where where there's all these kind of big challenges and everyone lives happily ever after. Uh, not exactly, but yes, in the in this particular situation, <laughs> there there's, there are obviously still still difficulties, particularly missing my family, mm-hmm. um, having one part. One of the parts of Aliyah, when you you have a make Aliyah, meet a woman, have children, very very nice. Now you're having children with your beautiful wife, and you got these beautiful children, but you can't share them with your with your parents or your brothers or your friends from school. Mm-hmm. Um, those things, those that uh, those are still difficult, uh, emotional difficulties. I I guess. And and from so so after you you had uh, you you had your kid how old are your kids now? Uh, four and seven months, eight months. Okay, so still quite young. And 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 you found a new yes. job after <laughs> that, uh, uh, and 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 moved from there into into this blockchain industry. How did that work? Uh, yeah, well, after I got after I got fired when my when my wife had just started dialysis. I started working for a company called uh, called Globex, um, which was involved in the crypto world. And from there, uh, one thing led to another. Um, opened my own business, etc., and uh, got very involved in the in the crypto world. It was very fortuitous, to, specifically because uh, my my boss who employed me during that time was extremely understanding and. Uh, and gave me the space in order to deal with what I needed to deal with, which was a good, a good year of my first employment there. And he rode that through, and <laughs> that was very, I appreciate that very much of him, much from him. Now, obviously, organ donation, which is kind of what you did. Uh, I don't think always people discuss organ donation in this context, but but it is obviously a very complicated issue. But you must have run into resources, uh, people who were doing work in this area. Uh, could you share that with people who are maybe interested in this topic? Because I know that it uh, is something that people have a lot of interest in. Yes, sure. Um, I'm in... In Israel, there's a there's a very big organization called Adi, which many people are a part of for both uh, living organ donation and and uh, uh, post death donations. Uh, there are similar organizations in South Africa. I think it's the National Kidney Foundation, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, living kidney donor awareness. That's what it's called um, in South Africa. Those organizations assist a great deal. If we're going through these uh, these type of things, you really do need the support of of, of other people, of other people who have been through similar things and uh, of experts. I know what what was mo- probably one of the most helpful things for me was when we we got connected with a 
uh, a very nice couple who had gone through something similar and had three children, three girls after their after their donation. Also quite similar, the husband donated to his wife. And then the wife had three babies. So having met, we met them in their house. They spoke to us. They told us everything would be okay. And that uh, gave us a lot of strength and hope that we could get through this and still carry on with our normal life. Okay, so that's, that is worth people looking up. Uh, if this is something they're going through, then there are uh, resources uh, that are there to help you. Can I ask you, Josh, uh, a very important question. Is the kidney covered by the anti-nuptial agreement? <laughs> uh, I think she gets to keep it. Okay, just checking, uh, just checking, uh, you know, uh, legal yeah. issues. <laughs> we, we, we sometimes do discuss that. Okay, <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, Josh, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for, for coming on uh, with us today and, and for sharing your story. I think it's uh, important that people uh, get, get sort of a, a real-life idea about what it's like to live in Israel and some of the challenges and how people overcame it. And, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, it sounds to me like, like you and your family is doing well. So I'd like to thank you for, for coming on. And uh, please keep do keep doing well. And perhaps we'll uh, have you on again to talk about cryptocurrencies or other aspects. Well, worth pleasure. I'll be happy to come back whenever you... Whenever you ask, Benji. There we go. That's uh, Josh Shevitt uh, talking to us from Israel today about his own Aliyah journey. We're going to be back just after this talking about cows, Israeli cows, and Papua New Guinea. A frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the new Blue Review. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how, you know, everyone's talking, we have no water in Cape Town, everybody knows this. Uh, but apparently in Papua New Guinea, the island of Papua New Guinea, which is off the coast of Australia, they don't have a water problem, they have a milk problem. Uh, and so I thought I'd bring you this amazing story about this guy. His name is Ronen Feigenbaum. Uh, he's an Argentinian originally, and his nickname is the Milkman of the World. Uh, and since 1990, he uh, graduated as a civil engineer, and he has used Israeli technology to set up dairy farms everywhere from China to England to India to Mexico to Namibia to Nigeria, the Philippines, Vietnam, Romania, our own South Africa, and even Papua New Guinea of all places. And uh, apparently he had emigrated from Argentina to, to Israel in the 70s, and he had never seen a cow uh, except as it pertained to his plate. And But now he ends up managing kibbutz dairies uh, all over the world. Uh, he became a dairy farm designer. Uh, you know, that's quite interesting. I didn't realize you could become a designer of dairy farms. Uh, first as a part of the kibbutzim, and then at the Aleph Bet Planners Department uh, in Tel Aviv, where he works, and he's charge of planning livestock and farm buildings. And he worked for about ten years all over Israel uh, before uh, before going all over the world. And he said that uh, uh, Israeli cows actually are very top in milk production uh, and uh, can produce some as much as sixty liters a day, uh, but with an average of forty. Whereas a cow in the U.S. Uh, or Britain is only 30 and 21 liters respectively. So there is actually 
quite a big difference. And uh, his company, Aleph Bet Planners, uh, were the clients for a new project in Papua New Guinea with an uh, Israeli international development company. And apparently, milk is a very difficult thing to deal with most of the time because you can't transport it. It's very heavy. It's obviously very liquid. Um, so it's very expensive to move. And the island of Papua New Guinea didn't have a dairy and had to import all of its milk products. And so it was a very expensive um Exercise, and so the, the the people of Papua New Guinea decided that they wanted their own dairy farm, and it was a huge issue, partly because Papua New Guinea is so hot, and uh, cows apparently are not keen on being very hot, and so they had to build a special cow shed that c- keeps the cool cows cool, uh, and also gives them enough space to rest, uh, and it provides fencing fencing that uh, doesn't. Uh, uh, hurt the cows, but also allows the wind in uh, so that they're able to be kept in and be kept cool at the same time. It has special milk equipment, uh, which allows the cows to to be milked in a way which is superior to just normal hand milking. And uh, it, it's... It's uh, the, the feed basically comes from grass and corn, which is then grown around uh, around the cows its, itself. Now, this was all Israeli tech, but in order to build a, a, a milkery, if that's what you can call it, a cow shed, uh, you had to get all sorts of stuff. Apparently, they needed hardware from Italy and Turkey, steel from China, and most importantly, 550 heifers which is apparently the technical term for cows that have yet to give birth from New Zealand. And this, they will have space for 800 cows as things grow. So it's a fascinating uh, story. And if you if you go onto Israel21c.org and, and look for the Papua New Guinea article uh, and I- in Israel's involvement, you can see the kinds of things they make from the cow uh, milk and to the yogurt and the cheese and uh, into all sorts of technical aspects around uh, the lactation cycles of cows and uh, a whole bunch of debates around um, is it better to graze cows or have them uh, underneath uh, in 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 these cow sheds because obviously there's a lot of uh, debate around that. But what I found particularly interesting is that every cow has its own electronic ID with sensors. And uh, it's all stored on a computer. And if the cow suddenly starts to show changes in parameter uh, outside of the average, uh, it could mean that the cow uh, is ill or has been injured. And this is also a way that uh, that one can can match the cows, which I find absolutely fascinating. Basically, you've got a cow with a Fitbit, uh, and it's being told, uh, you know, the farm manager is being told what it can and can't do. So that is an absolutely fascinating article. So if you're interested in cows or in Israel or in Papua New Guinea or in milk, uh, I would in, uh, very much encourage you to read the article on 21C because it is a, a fascinating, fascinating article. It pretty much also brings us to the end of the show for today because our ID tag, which shows us the time, shows us that we are uh, a little bit running out of time. Thank you so much to everyone uh, who helped put the show together uh, to Mandy, I hope she's feeling better uh, Craig, I hope that's push all the big red buttons, Vusi who helps us on the sound engineering side uh, and all the other people here at HiFM as well as to you dear listener uh, who joins us every single Monday between 9 and 10 for the new Blue, new Blue Review, by the way uh, Howard is off uh, the afternoon show for the next week so if you listen into your radios I will be back at about 4 o'clock today to carry on with the afternoon show with you and uh, I'm looking forward to it already so I'll chat to you then otherwise I'll see you next week